Hi, and welcome to our staff devotion where we're talking about 2019. Um, the, I guess the theme for the year, the, the vision and the direction for our church. Um, if you're listening in on this, uh, this will be probably one of several briefings uh, that will take place. Uh, as you know, every year we focus on one of the five-fold uh, ministry gifts. This year, in 2018, it was a pastoral focus, and we did the book of Genesis. Uh, the year before was our teaching focus, and we did the book of Romans. Acts. We did Acts. Evangelism. Evangelism and the year before that, we did Romans, and it was teaching. So when we go into Lexton in 2019, um, I kind of um, thought that it would be a great uh, statement for us in the first year that we're there to dedicate the place to the Lord. So it's a prophetic series that we're running uh, for next year. All of this really has come about during, um, as it does every year. Uh, I go off and I spend a, a a ton of time just really uh, praying about what God wants to do for uh, for us in the coming year, but also spending time evaluating, um, I guess, various candidates of books uh, for us to focus on in the year. Um, we need to be a Bible-based church, and eventually, over the many decades, I'm actually hoping that if you grew up at FGA, that you will just, by being at FGA, you will get a good handle on the Bible that is God's living word to us. Uh, I'm not keen for us to be a church that only picks postcards and friendly Bible verses as, and cliches as our staple for the congregation. That means you can grow up at FJ and have never even figured out what the book of Revelation or Leviticus or whatever it is ever has for anything and so that's not our goal and so um, when I started it though FGA broadly had a low by what I would view as a fairly low Bible base um, and so we began uh, this kind of track with very easy books we did Ephesians we did Philippians we've done uh, the book of Ruth we've done um, you know uh, Romans, Acts. Uh, we did the we did one of the uh, Gospels as well, um, and so and we did Hebrews, right? So we've been doing we've been doing. I guess we haven't fully done Hebrews, but um, but we've been doing sort of standard epistle type books. Um, this year was probably the trickiest one of the series when we did Genesis because we went potentially to um, a, a narrative in the Old Testament, but also one that is maybe slightly... Um, what's a good word for it? Has potential to be interpreted allegorically. Even though it's not. Even we believe that, that Genesis... Uh, are our true accounts, right? Um, so next year, we're going to go into the book of Revelation. And Revelation, I think, is going to be our journey into difficult waters. 
for the average Christian who reads the Bible because no one can say even the non-average Christian yeah even the non-average Christian and I'm going to make a case uh, a little bit later on as to why I think revelation is an essential part of the canon and an essential part of a Christian's diet Right? That you can't grow up as Christian and never even open up the book of Revelation or, 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 or touch it. Right? Um, but I guess from the outset, we have to understand that we're taking the whole church into the journey, into a book, where it's actually from its beginning, from its inception, and from its intent in writing style, is not literal. You cannot read Revelation literally. Okay. Otherwise, you'll think Jesus actually has a sword for a tongue. Okay. How is he going to eat food? Like it, 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 it's not intended. That's why. That's why uh, um, John pulls from. That's why John pulls from apocalyptic tradition, and he writes in his format a very deliberate apocalyptic style, and it's a, as a vision that he. And there's a big difference. I love. How Revelation does it. The thing that John sees is different from what he hears. It's really cool. So there'll be something happening, and he'll see something and he'll hear something of the same thing. But there'll be two different lenses of the same thing that is kind of going on. All right, goodness. How you doing? Okay, back again. Uh, so, next year, our book is Revel. A lot of people pronounce it wrong. It's not Revelations. Okay, it's the book of Revelation. Right? Uh, and actually, it's off of the Greek word, Greek word uh, apocalypsis, which is the first word, the first Greek word in the book of Revelation. Alright? Uh, as you know, it's... Um, it's written by John, uh, and we'll, I'll, I'll do a little bit more of an in-depth study on Revelation a little bit later on. Uh, but yeah, it's written by John, um, and it's in this apocalyptic style, which is very much like Daniel in the Old Testament. So I think it'll be tricky to get our church um, to kind of comprehend that. Uh, I thought we did quite successfully uh, Genesis this year without getting sidetracked by all of the controversy that Genesis may have. And so so similarly, I'm hoping that we will do Revelation next year and not get caught up in the controversy of Revelation. And, and part of that will be how I explain our approach to Revelation um, today. But we'll, it's going to be harder to implement with Revelation than it is with Genesis, I feel. So we're going to go up in uh, difficulty level. Okay. So, the one-liner for next year, um, it's going to be our prophetic year. The one-liner is faithful and true. This year was blessed to be a blessing. Next year is faithful and true. It's, a, it's got a double meaning because Revelation is written to the churches and written to uh, all of us to help us to stay faithful and true despite persecution and despite all kinds of opposition, to stay, to stay with our first love, to not be lukewarm, to stay faithful and true as the, as the bride, right? As the bride, not get distracted by the false uh, uh, Christs that are out there. So faithful and true is a, is a call to the church. And also for us, as a church moving into Lexton and, and starting this whole place, we want to remind ourselves that we have to stay faithful and true to God. 
um, and not be distracted by scandal or heresy and all these various other things that might detract from us. So faithful and true is our focus, right? But it's also a play. It's also a play on words, because the, another th- uh, thing that you could do with Revelation is you could say that Revelation is a proclamation that Jesus Christ is faithful and true. That's right. Yes. Um, that he does fulfill his second coming and that the new heaven and the new earth, uh, all the promises that the, that the men of faith who never got to see, they will see when revelation comes to pass. Mm. Right? So that's why I thought faithful and true is a good kind of anchoring one line for us. Um, it took me a long while to settle on the key verse for the year. And again, we've been doing easy key verses and then getting harder and harder and harder, right? So next year is a very hard one because it's quite random. We're doing Revelation 1, 5 to 6, which says, To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood, and he has made us a kingdom, priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. That's going to be our verse. And we're going to exegete that through the year. That means how has God who loves us, and you'll see in Revelation, who God loves, He disciplines. It's in uh, Revelation, I think, 3. Right? Then we see how He has freed us from our sins at great price. In fact, sin has a damaging toll on the whole world. And in fact, part of the reason why there's all the bowls and the trumpets and all that is actually that cleansing of all of the, the, the price, the payment of sin that has been held back uh, before the judgment comes. So he's freed us from our sins by his blood. And you see that, you see that uh, metaphor of the sacrificial lamb. And you see in Revelation, the lion and the lamb. Lion and lamb. It's the same one. Not just as God mighty lion, but also that lamb. Um, that... that, that uh, I guess his blood paid for our sins. But then he made us a kingdom. That means we are his priests. We are a people. We're a new nation, maybe comprised of many nations all around the world, right? A new heaven, a new earth. Mm. Um, And so I I really like this passage um, in how it, um, I guess, ties together the major themes of Revelation, but I think it's also prophetic for us because we're about to move in and we're about to become a people, a priest to God the Father. That means a priest is that intermediary, right? So that means for the people of Box Hill, FGA, we're hoping that the, the, the church, the people, not the building, the, the people would be like priests and that we would be faithful and true and that we would point to God the Father. Is it kings and priests? In some versions, it says kings and priests. Um, kingdom of priests. Yeah, something like that. It could be. Yeah. The, I don't think the word kings is explicitly in there. Yeah, I don't think it, the word kings, because I translated it from Greek, and I didn't see, I saw a kingdom, the um, Basilius, but I didn't see king. Yeah. But it would be implied. It's because we're emulating Christ as prophet, priest, and king. So those three, those three things come through again in Revelation. In Revelation, absolutely. And that's the call of the church: prophet, priest, and king. That's right, and that's why I think that term, faithful and true, is interchangeable 
between us and the who is the church, but Christ who is also faithful and true. Uh, just like he's a prophet, priest, and king, we're also calling him prophet, priest. Like right. the, there's really that duality, um, which is a great metaphor for marriage, actually. Um, okay, so. Uh, Here's where Revelation sits in the Bible narrative. And I really, so I, uh, the, the, um, the book I'm going to recommend actually for all of us to read as pastoral staff is, I'm going to try to keep it pretty easy because I read quite a few of them, but the book is called Revelation for Everyone by N.T. Wright. The better book, which is so good, is uh, Interpretation of Revelation by M. Eugene Boring. It's very boring. <laughs> but it's so good. Uh, I just think that's going to be too hard for our pastoral staff and some of our leaders to grapple with. So N.T. Wright does a very good commentary on it, and it's aimed at everyone. It's still really hard, though. It's still really hard. But it's called Revelation for Everyone. Um, no. So here's the thing to remember. Of the maybe seven or eight commentaries that I read, no one commentary I agree with 100%. Okay? Like, just let's just be clear. So, you're never going to pick up a commentary that I think reflects FGA's unique theology. And that's, I think, the trick about the book of Revelation is that because it's apocalyptic in nature, which means it's describing things that no eye has seen, no ear has heard. Right? So it's got to use imagery, it's got to, there's no real good comparables anywhere. Then, with, by the time you hit interpretation of that, I could have a different interpretation, Uncle Roland could have a different interpretation. But nobody can interpret wrongly that Jesus Christ is coming back again. So there's a common area, which is what we're going to sit in, a common area that you, that you cannot deny revelation says these things. And then I'm going to say that there's a bunch of grey area that we're going to put into the speculation category and keep it as speculation. We're not going to be preaching on the Sunday. We're not going to be bedding down the speculative... When Jesus is coming post-pre-trip. Yeah. Yeah. Right? So next year will not be... You know, there's not going to be a Sunday where I'm going to declare the date of Jesus' return. Right? Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just... Okay. So. So. Um... Here is where Revelation sits in the biblical narrative. Uh, a good way to think of it is the Bible can be broken up into five sections. That begin with the letter C. Creation, which is Genesis. Covenant, which is Exodus to Malachi. The, old, the whole Old Testament is about covenant. Then Matthew to John, the Gospels, is Christ. Then from Acts going forward to all of the epistles is church. And then... Revelation sits on its own at the end as consummation. All right. So for me, that's a very good overview. So, so it starts with creation. Then we see what the covenant is. Then we see Christ is right in the center. He's of the five. He's number three. Right. He's right. Then Christ. Then Acts. And then the letters to the churches. Obviously, it's about his church. And then you culminate in the in the wedding. In the basically the consummation. Right, which is where Jesus and his church and all of humanity, they all come back together in a new heaven and a new earth and we get to the very end. And so you can't have a good biblical theology and not cover Revelation. It bookends, it bookends Genesis, yeah. the creation, right? And so 
Um, anyway, so that's the metaphor we're going to be using. Five C's, and to, this year we did creation, and then we're going to go into that, all right? Now, remember that, so here's a good emphasis for us. Revelation has a message to our time. It means it's got a message for us. It's a message, Revelation has a message to our time, but it does not make predictions about it. I want to be really, really clear that we're not doing the book of Revelation because we're fully expecting next year or the year after that for some of the bowls and the, 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 the trumpets. It may, but we're not, it's not making predictions about our time. It is speaking to our time. It's speaking to us. So it has a message to us. Okay, here's a rough structure for the book of Revelation. So as you uh, read through it, I find it's, it's helpful to have a mental overview of the book so you know what you're reading in. Um, it, I tr- I've whittled down so many different outlines and I really tried to keep this very, very, very simple. Yes? The prediction part about the uh, new heaven and earth. Yes. Is that not part of prediction? Yes. Yes, it is. So, but what I'm trying to say is that, so, the book of Revelation has a ton of prediction. Yeah, yeah. It has a lot of predictions, right? Uh, Jesus coming again. Yeah. There's a beast. There's a new heaven, new earth, right. right? Yes. But it's not about our time. It may be about our time. It, yeah, may, yeah. it may be. It may be, yeah. right? Who knows when Jesus is going to come? It may be our time. But when we <laughs> preach about Revelation, yeah. we're not going to say, this is, it's, yeah. it's, Heaven and new earth is five years away or whatever it is. Like we're not, because all manner of theologians from Jesus's, uh, from John's day all the way to now have thought it was predictive about their time. It's not predictive about their time. It is a message for them. It's a primarily a message for them. And I'll talk a little bit about how to hold that tension um, a little bit later on. Okay. So here's a rough structure to the book of Revelation. One, it begins with an intro. Fantastic. John's following the tradition of all the letters to the churches and things like that. So he's got this great introduction. Um, And then it gets to letters to seven churches. Right? So, and those seven churches, like, it's broadly a message to us. Okay? So, uh, one way to look at the messages to seven churches is they all broadly say things to the general church across right um then we so there's the intro it goes to the seven churches and then we enter the heavenly throne room and then here's where it gets a little bit confusing and there's a bunch of different interpretations but the one i most like is that it is not chronological but it is paintings upon paintings and pictures upon pictures to fully form a view. So it goes seven seals, one to six. On the seventh seal, seven trumpets come out. On the seventh trumpet, seven balls come out. Right? So like that, it's apocalyptic in style. It's trying to say, it's, it's trying to say, let me paint this picture with different types of imagery. Okay, and uh, we'll go into a bit more detail. But basically, there's the heavenly throne room. There's the seals, the trumpets, the bowls, and Babylon is destroyed, broadly. Then we go into the next section, which is what we will call the final triumph of God. 
Christ returns, the dead are raised, there's the final judgment, there's a new Jerusalem, uh, new heaven, new earth. And that is, as simple as I can make it, the broad outline of the book of Revelation. Okay? Um, what will be increasingly clear to us in reading the book of Revelation is it's a lot of doom and gloom. <laughs> it's a lot of, it's apocalyptic, right? So it's a lot of doom and gloom. Um, I like N.T. Wright's description. I like N.T. Wright's description uh, of why things have to get really bad. Uh, I'm just going to read it out to you here. It says, All doctors and all pastors know, so that's us, we all know that when someone comes to them with a problem, the problem they talk about may not be the only problem they have. Right? So you go to a doctor. Ah, oh, I'm so relieved now. I finally, I, I, I finally mustered up the courage to go to the doctor. I finally made an appointment to go and see my eye doctor or whatever it is, my, my head doctor, whatever it is, right? All my problems are going to be solved. Hi, doctor. I have a headache. The doctor's going, okay, let me ask you more questions. Let's do a little bit more investigation because there might be deeper issues. We all know that, that hey, uh, hey, Jordan, I want to talk to you. I'm, I'm, I'm fighting with uh, my wife or my, my husband because of this one issue that happened last week. Come on. Right? Oftentimes, the problem is deeper um, than what is first presented. And things, especially when we do like marriage counseling, we do go into crisis management and arrange things, things have to get a lot worse before they're going to get better. So you think of these doctors, right? And you think of chemo treatments, you've got all these operations that have to, bodies being cut up and all of it, right? In order for the person to be healed, um, you have to go to some pretty bad places to deal with the root, the root of the problem. And I think what Revelation does is very much akin to that. It is, there are fundamental problems with our world that we can't solve. Why are we still fighting wars? Why are we still abusing kids? Why are we still so broken in so many ways? And sure, you can try this, fix this, that, fix that. Ultimately, they're all patch jobs, never gonna do the job. Now, if you really wanna fix it, you gotta fix it. You really wanna fix it, it's gotta get really ugly, really, 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 really ugly. And that's why I like also um, that whole metaphor of who God loves, he disciplines. Because if God was not a loving God, and didn't care, like just like our kids, right? If we didn't really love our kids, we don't care, then forget it. Like if it's somebody else's kid, I'm not going to correct somebody else's kid and then disciple them and then nag them about stuff and make sure they sit down with their homework and just forget it. Somebody else's kid. Their parents can deal with it. My kids, wow, we're really going to correct them. We're going to, right? Mm. And so you see that we are God's people. He loves us so much. And then there's the judgment. <laughs> there is the, right? Which I think will rub a lot of people the wrong way. Because we're not used to hearing this message, but it's part of the Bible that we have. Mm, yeah. And it is reflective of God's actual character. Yeah, and Jesus spoke about it. And Jesus spoke about it many times. And, right? So anyway, 
That's where we're going, unfortunately. Maybe people will leave our church. I don't know. But the faithful and true will stay faithful and true. So that's where we're heading, right? But I find it's a very helpful metaphor to understand that to fix things, we may have to, it may have to get worse. You may have to confront that sin that is in your life. And then you have to maybe confess it to your wife. Oh my goodness. The next few months living at home, after you confess that sin, it's not going to go that well. But maybe it will set you on a good path. Maybe it will allow for real repentance to take place and transformation to take place in your home. All right? Um, in Revelation, there's a, there's, a, there's a real structure of sevens. A lot of sevens. Seven, 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 right? Incompleteness. And so a good way to think of Revelation is in these repeating cycles of seven. So season, it's just like the Old Testament. It's cycle again after cycle after cycle. Revelation's like that. It just repeats these cycle, 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 cycles. And so as you read it, you'll, you'll find a familiar pattern. So it's like the, the blind man trying to describe an elephant. You just have to keep hitting it at different angles so that you can get the full picture. And I think that's what John um, is doing. So Revelation, I'm going to now use a bunch of big words. that When we explain to the church, we'll use simple words, but this is the pro group. So Revelation is providential, eschatological, and apocalyptic. One, it's providential. That means God is guiding it. God's provident. God is the one who's directing. So Revelation says God is directing all of history. Right? God Himself is. Even though we have free will, we have choice, right? But God is moving things in a direction. Two, it's eschatological. That means He's moving it towards an end. Right? Eschatology is to do with the end. So Revelation is to do with the end. It's also the last book of the Bible. Right? So it's providential, God is guiding, it's eschatological, it's taking us to the end, it's apocalyptic, which means it's revealed. That means it's not a surprise ending. <laughs> this ending that we're heading to, that God is done, it's revealed. That's why it's revelation. And so now we are getting a sneak peek or a snapshot of where God is leading us to in the end. Okay, that's a good way of thinking of the book of Revelation. We want to be asking the question, uh, so we don't want to ask, when will the end come? The, the, the book of Revelation is not written to answer, when will the end come? That's not the purpose of the book of Revelation, even though everybody speculates on that. We want to ask the question, what is the meaning of our suffering? It was written to a church back in the day when, when it was written. Of, to a persecuted church Okay It's written to a persecuted church It foretells Of future church persecution Which we are already seeing nowadays It's already getting harder and harder for Christians mm. And so In the seasons of persecution And of suffering And of all the tribulations And things like that Right The book of Revelation is written to help us understand what is the meaning of that. Why? Where does it sit in that context? Why, why are we having to go through all that suffering? And what's going to happen at the end? And how is it going to... That's what the book of Revelation is there to um, address. Okay? Um, now, uh, can the book of Revelation speak to us as a church even though we don't fully <coughs> understand it? Yes, it can. So I'm going to put it to you that our congregation may not may get to the end of the year next year and not understand fully the book of Revelation. In fact, 
Maybe even global scholars don't no fully under yeah, nobody can fully understand.